0: This episode of the Doing It For The Kids podcast is supported by AXA Business Insurance. Because let's face it, running a business is hard. Doing it around kids, even harder. So hurrah for AXA making something easy. You can tailor your policy to fit your business so you only pay for what you actually need. They'll also give you access to a very useful helpline for any legal and tax questions you might have. Probably not so useful when trying to negotiate a small person to eat broccoli. Look, even Frankie got covered a few years ago, right?
1: Yes, when I finally got it sorted. I genuinely slept better at night, which is saying a lot because I had a newborn baby at the time.
0: Protect your work, your tools, your reputation, let's face it, your livelihood, and sort it as easily as your kids spilling peas on the floor. Again. Work hard, insure easy. Search AXA Business Insurance. And here's the grown up bit. AXA Insurance UK PLC is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. That's a lot of authority. That is more authority
1: than I've got over my two kids.
0: How you doing? You right? Not really,
1: Steve. I'm knackered. Oh my God, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> when my alarm went off this morning, I was like, can't I just stay in bed all day? Hmm. Couldn't you? No, oh. because Rob's in London for work, so... Rude. If I if I don't get up, they're not going to school.
0: You want to upgrade to a high school student? They do it all themselves. Yeah,
1: literally. Literally, I was walking back from the school gates to the nursery bit, mm. holding my son's scooter, my daughter's balance bike, her bag, my bag, you know, all the stuff. And I was literally shouting into the air, how many more years of this? <laughs> and I got a look from another mum who was like, yeah, <laughs> I feel your pain. Hello, you're listening to the Doing It For The Kids podcast, where we swear a bit too much and talk a bit too fast about freelance life with kids in the mix. I'm Frankie and this is Steve.
0: Hello! Each episode, we take a question from the Doing It For The Kids community, do our best to answer it. But we start each one by looking back at the last one. It was a while ago, but the last one was...
1: It was Jason talking about cold pitching, sending cold emails to potential clients.
0: Anne-Marie Creish-Boulder could be saying your name wrong. Apologies, Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie says, I've had a lot of good stuff come my way because I just asked... I would say that companies receive so many copy and paste pitches, your pitch would probably really stand out if you took the time to write something just for them. It's all in the language used. Try work together rather than this is what you need to do. Explain your approach rather than offering a direct solution. Tell them why you are the right person to help them navigate this process. Basically, give them enough pieces of the puzzle so they can envision something good happening and that you are the missing piece.
1: Joe Shock says, I need to preface my comment by saying that I've never sent a cold email or responded positively to one. So obviously, I'm no expert. But this is what occurred to me when I was listening, as well as admiring Frankie's Mario sound effects. (laughs) (laughs) If I was working at that brand, I might respond more positively if I saw some visual examples of what could be. So taking elements of the brand and actually showing examples of what it could be like if it's more friendly or more cheeky or more whatever their brand is. I don't know. I'm also no expert on branding either. (laughs) Obviously, that involves some work up front, which could ultimately be a waste of your time. But if they don't have a great look now, maybe it's partly lack of vision and you could help by opening their eyes. And then, as Frankie and Steve said, you can find a funky way to share it with them.
0: And Louise Jenkins got in touch to say, I actually took the leap last year and outright asked a client if they had the contact for their counterpart at another organisation who do similar work. I reached out, explained what I did, and I've been working with them since last summer and now have work lined up with them until the summer this year. Whilst it's been intense at times, as I work two and a half days, well, school hours a week, it's got me a name with them and given me a steady-ish income while I build up the other side of my work. I doubt I would have done it a few years back, but something about becoming a parent and my confidence growing, I just went for it. And luckily, it's paid off for now. Love that.
1: Yes. So how was your half term?
0: Yeah, it was very good. Do you know, it was very uneventful. I'm more intrigued, frankly, about how you spent your half term because I know that you, like, took part in some social experiment, practically. (laughs) Go on. What did you do?
1: Yeah, so a lot of holidays we do, like... Playdate situations where the kids go to somebody's house mm-hmm. and then we swap and everyone gets some time to work. And basically we did that, but like beefed up. <laughs> <laughs> so some of our friends from London, really good friends who've got two kids, almost exact same ages as our two kids. They know each other really well, came to stay in our house in Somerset for five days. Oh. I mean, this would never happen in a pre-COVID world. right? <laughs> but now I'm the only one of those people that are self-employed. All other three are in PAYE jobs, but all work remotely. Amazing. So they all came to the house and obviously Rob works here as well. And then each of us took at least a day off and then we kind of rotated the children That's so good. <laughs> between us.
0: Seriously, this is a Channel 5 documentary in the making.
1: <laughs> Should have put some cameras up.
0: Dear two, Frankie is exhausted. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do you know what? It really wasn't that exhausting. I've been more exhausted the last three or four days since they left. Oh, right. Because then you're back to just you, aren't you? Yeah, I'd do it again in a heartbeat, for sure. Because you share everything. So like, not only were you not looking after the children all the time, all week, but also like meal. it sounds so basic, but like I didn't cook every night for my kids because somebody else was doing it you know yeah like, I didn't do bedtime for like three days in a row that never happens did they go to bed easier the first night no the first night they were up till like midnight yeah, it was standard. too exciting yeah but by yeah by the second night and through the rest of it bedtime really wasn't that bad and they're knackered because they're right. you know running around with each other all day
0: sounds like you need to have two more children yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that's the solution to my exhaustion two more children <laughs>
0: Okay, episode 93, and we have a question from Lisa Callahan. If you want to follow her on Instagram, it is Rural Creative Journey. Uh, Lisa says, as an aspiring creative freelancer, what do you recommend as being the first steps towards generating paid work? How do you get those very first paying clients? I'm already on social media, putting my work out into the world. Well, to all of my 25 followers. I've also looked at platforms like Upwork and haven't found any projects that fit. Either they're looking for much more experience than I can offer, or I have what they want, but they'd like me to do it for less for minimum wage. Help, Lisa.
1: So Lisa, looking at her Instagram page, it's a good idea. Let me click. Yep, yeah. is an illustrator. I mean, she her description says artist. I mean, first of all, her description says very little. If you're not, if you don't have a website, which it doesn't look she, like she does at this point. An Instagram page for a visual, creative designer, illustrator, artist is really good. It does the job, right? But that bio is like key because you can actually pack a lot of information into that. What is it? Sentence two sentences. Yeah. Who are you? What do you do and how to Mm -hmm. work with me? Whether that's DM for commissions or email me at blah, 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 whatever.
0: Yeah. I love the illustrations, but it says nothing about the fact that you are the hire.
1: Right. Are you even available for work? Is this a personal project? Is this a work project? What's the deal?
0: Yeah, we need to know how to contact you.
1: Because like normally, if I went to somebody's Instagram, I would probably inevitably end up on their website. But clearly she doesn't have a website. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, Mm -hmm. whether or not you need a website as a freelancer. I think we both agree that you don't have to have one. It's not like a make or break situation. But... Having a website is obviously going to communicate a hell of a lot more than it is in a 180 character Instagram bio. So like if you have the time and the energy or even budget to get a basic, simple something up, that is potentially going to be a useful way. Not necessarily from an SEO perspective for people to find you as as a first paying gig, but definitely if they're looking at you on Instagram, having the website may then be the push for them to actually get in touch rather than just yeah, Instagram. Yeah, I think so. But we also know a ton of freelancers who don't have a website. So I'm always a bit hesitant about...
0: But often they are people who have, I don't know, been doing something for ages.
1: Mm, They've got a network in another
0: way. Right. Yeah. Like they've built up a reputation uh, on LinkedIn. They've built up their network through years of professional doing the thing that they're now going to freelance as. And Mm. so LinkedIn, for example, acts as that place. Yeah. Personally... I think a good one-page website is a winner. Do you know, I've done nearly 300 episodes of the Being Freelance podcast. Every single one of them, I end up saying, how did you get your first freelance clients?" Mm -hmm. in that voice? Well, do you know what? Really, it does come down to just about maybe five or six ways, right? The first one is to tell the people you already know. Mm -hmm. And you might be thinking, oh, my uncle doesn't need an illustration. No, but your uncle... (sighs) or whoever has their own network that you're not even aware of Mm -hmm. your family and friends may well hire you but more likely they might also recommend you to other people be it illustration graphic design whatever it is that you do so tell people tell for
1: people you already know and tell them with vigor i am a freelance illustrator not i'm starting this thing aspiring creative project on the side that i'm thinking about charging people for no i'm a freelance illustrator now Here's the link to my website.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Do you know, it's amazing. I had a message recently from somebody who took uh, my How to Get Started Being Freelance course, right? He is an illustrator Mm -hmm. in the States. And he mentioned recently in an email to me about taking away from the course that thing of not saying... I'm an aspiring whatever. Mm -hmm. He said, I started confidently saying I'm a freelance illustrator. And his first client was the New York Times. Now, I'm not not saying that
1: that's (laughs) going to happen just because
0: you say it. But yeah, it's confidence, isn't it? It's confidence in what you put out there.
1: Yes, there is serious, serious power in the language that you use about yourself. Not only for yourself, like your own confidence in what you do, but also selling that, to potential clients the sooner you like think like that the more likely you are to get those gigs Another thing
0: is to tell new people as well. So start to expand your network in quotation marks by hanging out in a community of, well, like you already are and doing it for the kids, right? Other freelancers or other whatever it is discipline that you have. So in your instance, illustrators, it's amazing how people want to help each other. Lots of people might get work that they can't do or isn't suited to them, but they see your style and they go, oh yeah, okay, Lisa. And Quite a few people, Frankie included at this point when she was on the Being Freelance podcast, uh, also went to co-work spaces and found clients that way as well. Now, co-work spaces have an overhead, they have a cost. But even if you're just going in, you know, a couple of days a week, a few hours a week or whatever, it's starting to meet people in the flesh, it can help.
1: Yeah, the bottom line there with all those things is growing your network, isn't it? Telling more people what you do. Because as you say, even if they don't want to hire you, they're not the right client. You don't know who they know.
0: You've already mentioned social media, but the fact that you don't have many followers. But remember, you can be following other people and interacting on their stuff. So if there's, I don't know, commissioners for the sort of stuff that you want to work on or agencies or like whoever it is that you think might be a client or a way into a client,
1: start following them and interacting with their stuff and in illustration land there's often a lot of like like challenges that people do 30 day things or annual things where they do a little sketch a day or but it's part of a wider community of people all doing that challenge at the same time so you use a certain hashtag or whatever and you all find each other's work like I feel like it's particularly prevalent in illustration and that can be a brilliant way to get your work seen by yeah, people in your community and beyond. You're clearly putting the work out anyway, so if you can hook it up with something that will help promote you to a wider network, fantastic. Lisa, you mentioned Upwork. Now, sites like Upwork,
0: Freelancer.com, Fiverr people per hour, like they, they get they can get a bad rap, and in many cases deservedly so. But also <laughs> The fact is they are full of clients who have jobs right now and want to pay for them. Also, there are ways on those platforms to like create, you know, like I will do this illustration for you for X amount of pounds Mm -hmm. or dollars. Yeah, put those up there. It'll mean that you show up in searches and then it's up to people if they want to pay you whatever it is that you've decided that's worth.
1: Yeah, I've never used any of those platforms, but... I feel like the running theme with stories I hear about those is it's about getting those first few projects under your belt. Again, we were talking about confidence earlier. You will come out of that, hopefully, unless you have a toxic client <laughs> that fucks your self-confidence. I mean, but that's not normally what I hear. What The stories I tend to hear from people are, I went on one of these platforms and no, I didn't get paid all that much, but... I went through the process, I felt more confident afterwards, and I had social proof that I could use away from that platform to get work. Because while there are some people who play the system and they're all about getting, you know, seen on those platforms and that is the game, you don't have to aim for that. It can just be get some work more easily than trying to do it totally on your own and then use that experience and those testimonials outside of those platforms to encourage more other clients but that's the key whether you use Upwork or not is like once you have that first or second project done that's really the hardest bit from there if you're savvy about it you ask for testimonials off the back of those projects you ask them to recommend you off the back of those projects you ask to be able to use that work publicly that you created for them for your portfolio for your website for your Instagram so the key is just getting the ball rolling
0: don't want to dwell on this next point too much because you might as well just go and listen to the last episode but it's that point of like literally asking i for some of my clients first clients was knocking literally on doors uh, mm. or sending cold emails of introduction to try and get work what have you got to lose <laughs> is kind of the, the the thing there isn't it um and if you've got a warm in as we discussed on the last episode then all the better <laughs>
1: I think as a creative freelancer specifically, there is, I think you're doing this anyway, Lisa, looking at your Instagram, but like there is a lot of positive stuff that comes out of just continuing to create, even though you're not Mm. getting paid. Just keep honing your craft, keep pushing more work out there, have fun, create stuff that makes you happy (laughs) and put it out publicly. Show your behind the scenes, show your workings, get people involved in your process, even if it's not for a paying client. I think some people feel like, I don't know if shame is a bit of an extreme word, but maybe a bit embarrassed about putting tons of work out on a professional Instagram or website that wasn't paid for. They're like hesitant about just putting it out there for the sake of putting it out there, but it's still work. <laughs> I feel like I say this every episode. We live in a capitalist society and just because nobody paid you to create the thing doesn't mean the thing isn't worth sharing. Doesn't mean the thing isn't a great piece of work. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for just keep chugging and putting stuff out publicly as well as doing all the things we've talked about.
0: Yeah. I've spoken to so many illustrators. I follow so many illustrators. Mm. And they are creating their own self-initiated stuff all the time. Even if they have loads of clients, they're still creating their own stuff. They're putting Mm. it out there. It's sharing that love of what you do. Other people then fall in love with that. And even if they can't hire you or don't need it themselves, they want to tell other people. They want to share it. They want to see you succeed.
1: Yeah. Keep going. You clearly love it. And I really hope, you know, if you do want to make it a full time thing, that that works out for you. You can do it. But I think the first thing for you, Lisa, is confidence. Tell people you're a freelance artist illustrator. I want to see it on your bio next week. (laughs) (laughs) There's your homework. (laughs) Yeah.
0: If you've got advice for Lisa, get in touch wherever Frankie's posted about this, be it on Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn or in the Doing It For The Kids community, which I'm sure you're in. And if you're not, come join us, doingitforthekids.net. Wherever Frankie's posted about this episode, tell us your experience. If you've got something that you think would help Lisa. Also, we need your questions, please, for future episodes. You can get in touch and it can also be anonymously, don't forget. Uh, We could
1: be reading them out, helping you out, maybe. (laughs) in a future episode and I feel like I say this every episode but there is legitimately an entire module if not more modules I don't know in Steve's course about getting your first clients that is a thing that you talk about yes
0: yes it is the course covers everything you need to know about getting started being freelance to finding clients how to work with them how to get paid how to manage your work life balance stuff like that but yes so much stuff all the details are at beingfreelance.com click on course Right, I think we're done. Oh Oh my my. God. What was that?
1: My daughter yesterday said, Mummy, when are we going to have the sausage dog? Because there's been various talk of getting a dog and then I met this ridiculous sausage dog and thought it was cute and then was trying to persuade Rob to get a sausage dog. It didn't happen. But clearly she's picked up on that. So she was like, when will we have the sausage dog? And I was like, really sorry, but I don't think we're going to get a pet at the moment. You know, it's not the right time. Maybe in a couple of years. And she's like, no, 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 mummy. Not a sausage dog to fluff, which to her means like to stroke and to cuddle. Right. Not a sausage dog to fluff. When are we going to have a sausage dog to eat? She says. And me and Rob were both like, um, I know dog meat is a thing, <laughs> but also, <laughs> <laughs> what are they feeding her at nursery? Hmm. <laughs> Anyway, a couple of minutes later realised she meant hot dog. When are we going to have the hot
0: dog? (laughs) I love that your mind didn't instantly think hot dog like mine did, but rather a dash hand on a stick. Yes,
1: exactly. (laughs) Barbecued. Probably quite tasty.